Welcome to the Breaking Through Podcast. I'm Aaron Teach, and over the past few episodes, we've been exploring different facets of meditation, talking about the technique of vipassana as a methodology of pure awareness and being aware and in tune with the flow of your experiences as they're happening to bring more consciousness to how your mind works. Then we moved into talking about different techniques for self-regulation, ways of not just becoming more aware of how you function, but having using meditation techniques in order to adjust how you're feeling. So the two primary ones that we've explored are breathing, using breathing techniques to set the pacing of your mind and your body and your emotions. And then last time we talked about sound and the vibratory quality of sound and how that leaves an imprint. And actually within the canon of meditation is the primary technique that we use for change, for transformation and actually making deep-seated adjustments to the processes of our psyches. Part of what I was hoping to do today in wrapping that up was to kind of explore the big topic of meditation in general and where it fits into our lives. And one of the ideas that I've been sharing more frequently in my teaching these days is this idea that there's no such thing as meditation. There's no such thing as meditation? And what do I mean by that? And what's the value? I found teaching meditation as long as I have, to as many people as I have, that people tend to think of it as some discrete activity that's somehow separate from their ordinary ways of operating. When you get people to start meditating in a class, they sit up straighter, close their eyes. There's this quality of effort that goes into it, like they're doing something the way that you might focus on any other activity. And I think it creates a distance, actually, and undercuts the real point and power and potential of what meditation has to offer. Ultimately, meditation is a way of learning to become more aware of how we're operating and to operate more effectively in our day-to-day lives. Okay, I get that. But... When I'm sitting down with my eyes closed and doing the breathing techniques or the chanting or even the, the straight up Vipassana, I can get to a state that feels really silent and still and beautiful. And I don't feel that way after I open my eyes and start walking around. I mean, I, I, the effects of it linger, but I don't feel it that intensely the rest of the day. Are you saying that when you say there's no such thing as meditation, are you saying that the goal is to, f- to have the intensity of that peace and that silence that I feel when my eyes are closed and I'm alone in a room and I'm not, <laughs> not at the grocery store? Are you saying that the goal is to have the depth of that experience eventually be with me at the grocery store? Essentially, yes. And one way that I like to think about it is kind of in three ways, but let's start with two ways. And the analogy that's useful here is about a sailboat. So the analogy we're making is around meditation techniques 
and the meditative state or the experience of meditation. Right. So when we're talking in the sailboat analogy, you can imagine when a sailboat is moored at, uh, at the harbor, you don't just put the sails up and start sailing. There's an entire process of getting the sails up, using a motor, backing it out, kind of motoring out to an open space where the winds are appropriate. And it's at that point that you put the sails up and you can do some sailing. That whole preparatory phase are what I think of as all of the techniques that we've been exploring over these past couple episodes. Breathing techniques, posture techniques, sound techniques, Vipassana as a technique. These are all ways to get the boat of your awareness or your consciousness or your mind or your psyche, they often use these words interchangeably, to get to that open sea where the winds are right. That experience that you're referring to when you feel calm and present and whole and peaceful, these descriptors, is the experience of sailing, is what happens when the sails are up and the winds are catching that sail. Then we can have that quality of experience. So, and sometimes we mistake the technique for the experience. The meditation techniques are what get us to the open sea. When we can effectively apply them, that state and experience of the meditative state, if you will, is the quality of sailing. But then there's a third layer, which goes beyond what we're saying, which is what happens when you get back to shore. And can you carry that experience of being in the open sea and free and being carried by the wind? Can you carry that when you're back on land? Because it's a common saying in yoga or in meditation, you know, carry it with you off the mat, or the mat is just this micro experience to set you up for what's happening in the world. But that really is the point, is that we are in a real moment-to-moment -moment process in our lives, in real challenges, real things that we want, real relationships, things that we have to do. And our tool, our primary tool for doing that is our attention itself, our intention and our attention. Where are we directing our attention? What do we want? And are we effectively mobilizing our time, our energy, and attention to interface with what the world is engaging us with? And the value and part of the purpose of the meditative mind is to be more effective in that process. But you, yeah. Oh, and that sounds fantastic. But you're not really, you can never really sail when you're walking around on dry land. And that's the limit of the analogy here. But you can certainly, I don't want to say have the feeling of, of sailing. And maybe this is where the, the analogy for now um, has its limits. But I think what I mean by there's no such thing as meditation is what there really is, is our own self-awareness having conscious experience itself. And that conscious experience has a quality and a rhythm at any given moment. Sometimes it's really fast and we feel agitated. Sometimes it's really slow and we feel 
calm, sometimes we feel bored, sometimes we're all over the place, sometimes we're dull and tired. That state of consciousness has a quality at any given moment. And what we are effectively doing in our lives is applying our awareness in some way towards some end. And the quality of our consciousness or awareness as we do that is what drives our effectiveness in our lives. So we do meditation techniques to be able to better understand and better regulate the quality of our minds, of what we are. So that in turn, right, it has its own self-value. Part of that self-value is, oh, in the meditative space, I'm experiencing things of my, about me or gaining insight into how I operate that I wouldn't have without meditation. Yeah. And, the, and that experience, that moment, does have intrinsic value, regardless of what you do with it off of the mat. There's also a resetting quality that happens that I find a lot of people are engaging meditation for these days. Modern life is stressful and overwhelming for a lot of people, and we often don't have tools for dealing with that mental and emotional overload. And so meditation can offer a kind of antidote, a reset to that overload. It's like, okay, I found some calm and peace in the midst of all of it, so now I can return back to my crazy lifestyle right. and keep returning. So there's an antidote quality, and that is a value, and that's an end. But my perspective on meditation is bigger than that, and it spills into what happens after you get off the mat. What matters is everything. Every moment matters. Every encounter matters. Life is a moment-to-moment -moment art in which every aspect matters. Our tone, our attention, the words we use, we never get to be off-duty. Not that we're always working and always struggling, to, to the contrary. Part of the art is figuring out where we're unnecessarily stressed and where we're unnecessarily using effort when it could be more effortless. But that process of learning to be more effortless, more in the flow of life, is a moment-to-moment self-management in relationship to the world as it's happening and we're engaging with it. And that requires, to do that effectively, requires a training, a honing of our attention, because that's the tool, it's really our only tool that we use. One way or another, we're all in the same game. There's no spiritual game versus no spiritual game, no meditation game versus a not meditation game. We are all in this game of life. Moving through our days. Yeah. And you can do that in a bad mood, in a cranky mood, in a stressed mood, or you can do that in a calm, peaceful, unstressed mood. And... I think most of us, if we had to choose how to go through life, we would choose to go through it in, with the latter mood. Maybe. Maybe that's too limited. 
in the end, we get angry sometimes, and we get frustrated sometimes, and we get intense and excited sometimes, and sometimes we have deep desire to want something that drives us. I don't consider any of those to be inappropriate ways of being that aren't necessarily calm and in this stereotypical idea we have about a meditative mind. It's acknowledging that we have a range of facets and ways of being, and different circumstances require different things from us. Mm -hmm. Are we being reactive? Is something triggering something from us? Or are we being proactive? And I use that term in a non-traditional way. Are we consciously applying some facet of ourselves to meet a demand? And part of my understanding of life is learning to become so conscious and self-aware and have that be a continuous process so that we are constantly, ceaselessly, consciously interacting with life. And we leave little gap for knee-jerk emotional reactions. Is that easy? It's the hardest thing in the entire world. <laughs> There's nothing more difficult than that. I mean, that. You're, you're talking about being consciously aware of every thought and every emotion in every moment of our lives. That's hard. I can't think of anything more difficult. And I absolutely don't do it perfectly. And I don't know of anyone yet who I've met who does. But that is part of the game that we're in as I see it. And that's the bigger picture in which meditation as a technique and even as an experience lies. Within Kundalini Yoga, Yogi Bhajan called it creative meditation. And what he meant by that was our moment-to-moment -moment engagement, our state of consciousness as we go through the world, how we apply that in real life with what we do and what we say and what we think is meditation. What we think of and quotes as meditation in its traditional form of sitting with your eyes closed, doing some technique, breath, sound, vipassana, is not really the meditation. It's a technique. A technique that has value. A technique that gives you insight into yourself in a way that you might not otherwise, hones you in a way that makes you more effective, so that when you do the real meditation, which is your life, you have the optimized tool to engage it. But one way or another, we're all in the same game. We all need to figure out how to traverse our body, our spirit, our psyche, our substance from one shore to another shore. You can do that on an incredibly complicated, effective boat, or you can dog paddle across. What we do in meditation is we try and create the most effective boat that we can so that we can make that journey more effective. And With, more pleasant? Perhaps. Not always. Not always. You know, I, I think... One of our big New Age fallacies is this idea that if we're spiritual enough, then life is pleasant and everything works out. 
And when some facet of our life is not working out, it means we're somehow not developed or spiritual enough in that front. I certainly don't believe that idea, and it's certainly not the traditional one. A more traditional one is this idea that your spirituality is defined by how you react and engage when things don't work out. Because everyone is at their best when things are working great. The real question is, when things are falling apart, what comes out of you? And what can you do about it to make that less reactive? And that's why challenges are the most important thing that happened to us. Because without challenges, everyone's terrific. (laughs) Challenges reveal our weak spots and require us to strengthen them. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate to to what you're saying. I guess one analogy would be working out our physical bodies. Because when I don't work out my physical body, then life becomes stiff and achy and just going through my day becomes less comfortable, more achy, you know, more stiff, whatever, more creaky. But if I'm working out or exercising my body, then that those exact same days feel better. I, I'm not as stiff. I'm not as creaky and everything. And I've noticed the same thing with meditation where when I'm meditating regularly or, you know, when we were in India and I meditated really intensely for that month, at least two hours a day, the whole rest of my day shifted and was colored by that experience. Like I felt like I was sailing even, even when I was walking on land, you know, like to use your analogy. So is that, is that what you're talking about? This idea that when we meditate regularly, the feelings that we have during those beautiful deep meditations actually do sort of stay with us and get carried through our, our normal days. So that those days can feel maybe a little easier, maybe a little calmer, even when, like, maybe I'm not making sense here, but like in India, when we were there for that month, by week three, I felt like just even going into town to, to pick up some food, some supplies and, you know, whatever we needed back then. In the, when we first got there, going into the, the town was crazy and overwhelming because it just, it's very busy and there's tuk-tuks and goats and cows and people and motorcycles everywhere. And three weeks later, I went back to the exact same town and the exact same quote-unquote craziness, but it wasn't as crazy for me. I didn't experience it as stressful and chaotic because I felt like my mental state was in this like zen, unflappable place. And it was quite amazing for me to see the difference because I was going back to the exact same city, the exact same market that was the exact same level of chaos, but I experienced it very differently because I'd been meditating intensively. Is that what you mean? It's partially what I mean. And I think there's a tremendous amount of insight in what you're sharing here as an idea. This idea of what I'm calling the sailing of the sailing boat and that feeling just deep and calm and complete um, and how we can find that space in a, in technical meditation on a cushion but then that can get stabilized with practice into our psyche so that when we are moving about the world that 
quality and experience is with us and it changes how we perceive and react to what's happening to us and it changes how we act and express and engage in the world. Yeah. And that is a huge part of what meditation is about, for sure. I think where I'm aiming to take it a step farther, and maybe I am and maybe I'm not, is we are always consciously engaging as long as we're awake in one level or another. And to have a really zoomed out perspective where you see the kind of ceaseless thread of what your existence is and how it goes through a range of experiences and all of them count and all of them are included. And when you're on the mat with your eyes closed doing something, that's part of that thread. And by doing those techniques, it shifts the quality of your experience in that thread. It also shifts your experience with continued practice. When you're off that mat, it changes it. But every moment counts when we're talking, when we're thinking, when we're feeling. And I think sometimes what I find with people I'm working with is there are so many preconceptions around both what meditation is and the expectations of the experiences we should have. And then what we put onto ourselves in life about what we should and shouldn't be and do. In a good meditation, we feel calm and still and tranquil. That can carry over to me in these other moments. And then we often overlook all the range of experiences we have outside of that, either ignoring them, if we think of ourselves as a perfect meditative yogi, or disparaging them, if we're aiming for some perfection. And we need to find a way to include all of who we are and have techniques for working with all of that. So no matter how much you meditate, sometimes you'll still react. Sometimes things are still required of you. And that's part of the equation. That's the real meditation. We are meditating in that moment still. And maybe it's the wrong term. Well, no, it, it just seems like your definition of meditation then is being aware of your conscious state. So that we can be aware of the conscious state we're experiencing on that meditation mat and that deep peacefulness that we can can experience on that meditation mat. But also in the heat of, a, of an argument or a protest when you're feeling perhaps anger, um, just to be aware of that. So, that. so that the goal of meditation or what meditation is then is just being always being aware and never never being unconscious of of how you're reacting or thinking or feeling. Yeah. To always be always be conscious and be like, oh, I'm feeling angry right now, or oh, I'm feeling reactive right now, or oh, let me take a deep let me take a deep breath and see if I can change how I'm feeling because you taught us that breath and sound can help change our state of consciousness, so that. So that we're never left at the end of the day being like, wow, where was I today? I was, I was not present in my head. 
And that's half the equation. So thinking about all the things that you said that was beautiful and spot on, were all about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Recognizing the flow of your emotions and your states as they're happening, becoming more conscious of what's happening to you. But what I'm including in meditation is the other half of the equation. What do you do then in that moment? How do you act? How do you act? Okay, I'm in the middle of a conversation. I recognize that I'm feeling angry by what this person is saying to me. Self-awareness. But then, how do I apply myself? In my anger and my self-awareness, what do I now say? And what do I now do in this engagement? And how conscious am I able to be in projecting an intentional act versus just knee-jerk reacting out of that anger. Mm -hmm. 